Father, uh, Lord, we just thank you for today. Lord, I thank you for everyone here, Lord, for bringing them here. Lord, even if, if we don't recognize it or whatever it is, Lord, whatever's going on, that you divine this appointment today here, Lord. Uh, each person here is here for a, a, a very distinct reason, Lord, and you orchestrated that. Lord, I pray that we would just come in with open ears and open hearts and be willing to hear your word. Thank you so much, Father. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. All right. So, my name is Blake. I'm the youth pastor here. So, sorry, kids. You guys got to hear me a little bit more this week. Don't look so sad. Okay? But, so, recently, I've been very intrigued by certain types of stories. Okay? One of which is, um, a lot of you guys, like, we've all watched the sports movies, whatever movie it is, the, the sort of underdog overcomer story. Right? We love the overcomers. We love the ones that beat the odds, the ones that the, everything just hits rock bottom and they shoot up to the top and they prove who they are, they prove what they're made of, right? The interesting part, though, to me is that, especially in Christian culture, there's a certain type of overcomer story that we're especially interested in. It's the criminals, right? We are very fascinated by them. And... There, there's tons of stories of career criminals, people going in and out of prison, jail, whatever. And they get out and they turn their life around. They start their own business. They become a teacher, whatever, whatever else it is, right? We're very fascinated by those types of stories, and that's awesome. Those stories are fascinating because it proves to us that, like, we can still do good amidst the bad, right? But, but why is it specifically that? Why are we so interested in the criminals? And then on top of that, right, from both sides, we don't just love those types of stories, but we love the bad boys, okay? The girls, the girls want to be with them. The guys want to be them, okay? We love the bad boys. The loose cannon in the cop movie, right? The one who breaks all the rules that you think is going to get counted out, but then at the end you find out he's the good guy. He ends up being the good guy. The rule breaker ends up being the good guy at the end of the story. And why is that so fascinating to us? Why do we all want to either be the bad boy or be with the bad boy? Right? All, all the action movies, whatever it is, it's, that's what it's about. All the guys go, yeah, I'd like to be him. Right? The ladies go, oh, he's pretty handsome, I guess. Right? But it's super fascinating to us. And the interesting part about criminals is you'd be surprised how many people, because I looked it up, the, the Bureau of Justice, all right, says that 5% of the United States, that's one in every 20. So if you look around the room, there's probably 100 and some people in here. All right? That means statistically, I'm not saying it's true, but statistically, 5 to 10 of you either have been or will be in jail or prison at some point, statistically. And even crazier is out of that 5%, right, one in every seven will have a lifetime sentence. One in every seven of all criminals, right, everyone who's ever done time will have a lifetime sentence. That's crazy to think about, right? And when you, when you really narrow that down and you think about the numbers, right, the fact that we're so intrigued by these overcomer stories becomes a little bit more reasonable. They don't happen. 
at least not statistically, right? By, by the numbers, those don't happen. But it's very interesting to just think about that, to me anyways. And so, I don't know, today I'm, I'm going to be talking in a lot of generalities to you guys. It's my challenge to you guys to, to take those gen generalities and apply them to your life. We're going to be talking about some stuff about what sin looks like and, and who we are. I don't have time to cover all the sins, okay? But think about in your own life, in your own heart, because at the end of the day, we all know. We know what those areas of our lives are that we go, oh, I probably shouldn't do that. I, I wish I hadn't done this. We all have those areas. So I challenge you today not just listen to the words, not just listen to the scriptures and write down what the scriptures are, but to really think about how they apply to you. Think about how they directly affect you. All right, so up, up first, we got Proverbs. Okay, it's a simple verse from Proverbs, Proverbs 29.6. And it says, an evil person is caught by sin, but the righteous one sings and rejoices. It's pretty straightforward, right? An evil person, one not following God, one not following Christ, a non-believer, an evil person, is going to be caught by their sin. Not just tripped, not just stumbled. They're going to be caught. But the righteous one, righteous means, in, in, in this in this situation, righteous means one who believes in God, follows Christ. A righteous one sings and rejoices. They're not going to rejoice in their sin, but they're going to rejoice and be happy that they have an opportunity. You see, a lot of times we talk about there's, there's kind of these two very extreme schools of thought when it comes to Christianity and sin. That one, because Christ died for us, that means all sins forgiven, which is true, but that gives us freedom to sin. Well, he's already forgiven me, so I'm just going to go do what I want. That's not true. And then on the other side of it, you have, well, Jesus already died for the sins. I can't do anything. I can't mess up. I, can never, I have to be perfect, and I have to convince everyone I'm perfect. And that's not true either. But the thing is here, okay, at the end of the day, we're all trapped. Stick with me. It's, it's, it's going to sound much more bleak here at the beginning. Okay? But we're trapped. Or the thing is, at least we think we are. We've convinced ourselves that we're trapped in this jail cell. We've convinced ourselves that there's no way out. And that at the end of the day, staying here in my comfy little wooden floor and metal bars is better than trying to walk out and see what's out there. We've convinced ourselves that the jail keeps us safe. That this prison we've built around ourselves keep us safe, keeps us safer. We get comfortable there. We tell ourselves that we have to follow the rules, follow the laws while we're there, whatever that, whatever that looks like. The interesting part is in the world, there are these sort of unwritten laws the ones that we all kind of follow that it's not written down anywhere. 
There's no one that's saying this is how you live life. This is what you should do and shouldn't do. Right? And with those I'm talking about how we're, how we're taught and raised to grow up and live. You grow up, you go to school, you go to college, you get yourself a nice job, you get yourself a nice husband or wife, you have some kids, you work, and then you die. That's, that's the circle of life. Every, every new ending or every ending has a new beginning. That's just how, that's, that's how it is. That's how it works. Accept it. Accept your role in the world to work until you die. You may help some people along the way. You may do good, but that's it. That's, that's it. That's life. That's what, that's what the world tries to tell us. But the thing is, if any of you have ever been in that, or you know someone who has, and if you would be entirely honest, or if they'd be entirely honest, put a lie detector on them. If that's the way it's supposed to be and you ask them, are you happy? The answer's going to be no. We're miserable in that. You can try to convince yourself that you're okay working the 9 to 5, coming home, eating dinner, going to bed, and that's your entire life. You can try to convince yourself you're okay with that. But we all know, we all know intrinsically, even if we, even if we don't have the thought, we know that that's, there's something more. We're not meant for that. The bad boys, right? Why, are, why, why do all the guys, if, if, when I say bad boys, I know every dude in here has a movie character or a book character or something, right, that comes to mind. Right? For me, the two that always come to mind, right, one's more modern, John Wick, right? You guys have watched John Wick movies, right? The other one is Aragorn from Lord of the Rings, okay? Like, th- that, that, that's what I think of, right? Strider's out on the plains watching over everything. John Wick just does what John Wick does. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, okay, yeah. See, not not everyone's as nerdy as I am, but that's okay, right? And we, we talk about this a lot, right? We actually just talked about this the other night. Why is it that when women think of the men they want, they want right, Aquaman, they want Superman. They don't want Chet, the newspaper salesman. See, yeah, exactly. See, I know. The reaction says it all. You laugh at Chet, the newspaper salesman, salesman, but I say Superman, Aquaman, Spider-Man, whatever, and all the girls go, ooh. That proves my point, okay? And guys, again, we don't want to be the mattress salesman. If you sell beds in here, by the way, congratulations, beds, you're awesome, okay? But, but okay, but that's that, uh, most of us don't, don't wake up in the morning, morning and go, you know what? I'm going to peddle mattresses. That's not what we want to be. Why are those types of stories so popular? Why why are those the stories, the movies, the books, or whatever, that end up breaking the box offices, end up breaking records in sales? It's those. Because we're not meant to live in that cell. We're not meant for that. We're made to be different. The world is going to stay in the cell because it's safe. I know that while I'm here in my little jail cell, I know while I'm here in my little cage, I know what's going to happen. 
I get to control my little cage. I get to control what it looks like, how it feels. I get to decide whether or not the things that I don't like come into the prison. I get to decide. Me. thing is, there's, there's a greater law in this world than just the unwritten laws, or even the laws that we have written down as a government or as a society. There's one law that kind of transcends them all, and it's been around quite a long time. It's the law of life and death. That's inescapable. The law of death is inescapable. Everybody in this room, everyone you've ever met, at some point, their time on this earth is going to end. Nothing you can do about it. That law can't be broken. Your time on this earth is going to end. Doesn't matter how good you are. Doesn't matter how nice of a, how nice of hair you have. Doesn't matter how many cookies you give to the homeless man down the street. Your time on this earth ends. And so that's the thing. We are made, when you follow Christ, right? we are made in God's image. Even, even if you're here today and you don't believe, you're still made in God's image. He made you specifically how you are for a very distinct reason. And so we're, we're made to be different. We are made to break the laws, the law of death. We are meant to break that. We are meant to do that. And the crazy thing is that when we try to do that, we have something waiting for us that goes beyond anything that could trap us here on earth. What's waiting for us is it's unfathomably more amazing than you could even think. We were, I think it was a couple weeks ago, actually, in youth group, and we were talking, we were talking about the idea of heaven and what it looks like. So imagine this, take, take your worst possible day. Take your worst possible day. Multiply it by a couple thousand, whatever that looks like, I don't know. What's waiting for you in heaven is infinitely times more good than that is bad. And that's what's waiting for us. Because that's the thing, when we're here, our bodies die. It's inescapable. It's the law of death. There's nothing we can do. However, we have an opportunity to go beyond that. We have an opportunity to do something else, to live differently, to look different. And so we're going to go to the book of John, Gospel of John, chapter 14. So the thing to remember here as we get ready to read this is this is, this is Jesus speaking. Jesus speaking. Jesus Christ speaking these words. And again, remember, these are not just words written on a page, not just words I'm saying. These are the words of Jesus Christ spoken to you right now, spoken to you. We're going to start at verse 1. And it says, Your heart, don't let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. 
In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would, would I have told you that I am going to prepare a place for you? If I go away and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself, so that where I am, you may be also. You know the, the way to where I am going. Stop right there. Okay, so Jesus, so right here, Jesus goes, believe in God, believe in me. My Father's house, there are many dwelling places, which means there's room for all of us, guys. There's no limit to it. He says, if not, I would have said so. Jesus said, I'm getting ready to leave to prepare that place for you. If I go away and prepare that place, I will come back and receive you to myself so that you, so that where I am, you may also be. You know the way to where I'm going. So if we stop right there, Jesus goes, hey, so there's this really cool place. I'm going up, getting your room ready, all right? You just got to follow me to get there, okay? You just got to listen to me, listen to what I say and tell you to do. And the interesting part is he just goes, you, you know the way to where I'm going. If, if, if that's all I told you guys, right? If I go, hey, I'm throwing a party, uh, there's going to be a giant pool, tons of food. There's, I got like a hundred different like musicians come in to perform. Uh, it's going to be great. It's going to be the greatest party ever. You guys know how to get there. And then I just leave. How many of you are going to come to the party? No. <laughs> Grant's raising his hand. Yeah. He's, he's just going to follow. Like, he'll stalk me there probably, yeah. Okay, but you're not going to know. And that, that, that's what he says. Okay, so then when we, when we continue on to verse 5, okay. Lord, Thomas said, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? He goes, what, what, where is this crazy place you're talking about? What, where is this you said it's your, your father's house. We don't know where we're going. We don't know that way. And then this is where Jesus says, Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you know me, you will also know my Father. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. So Jesus says here, you, if you want to come to this place, if you want to do this, if you want to break death, if you want to break the laws of death, follow me, come here. The disciples, right, ask the same question we all probably do. Where is that? How do I get there? This sounds great. I have no idea where I'm going. Jesus says, it's me. I am the way, the truth, and the life. We talk about the well, there's the parable of the good shepherd. Jesus says, if my sheep are going to get to the pasture I want them to get to, but only through the gate that I open. If you want that pasture, if you want that amazing party, you have to come through the door that Jesus opens. You have to come through Jesus. That's the only way. If you want to break the law of death, the only way to do that is Jesus. The only way to be a criminal against death is to follow Jesus. And I know on the surface that sounds all fine and dandy, right? It goes, oh, cool, yeah, just follow Jesus, do what he does. No, the expectation, if you're going to follow Jesus, is to be perfect. That's the expectation. If you want to get there, 
if you want to make it there, the expectation is perfection. But he didn't leave us there. Because if I ask, who here in this room has been a perfect person their entire life? Better not be one hand that goes up. And if it is, you're a liar, which means you ain't perfect. Okay? But it's impossible. We can't live perfectly. We can't. And so if, if we want to follow Jesus, we have to know what to do and what not to do, right? We would have to know. There has to be some set of rules. We have that. There has to be something to tell us how to live a perfect, better life, and there is. We have the Bible. We have the literal words of God at our fingertips every day, whether it be a physical book, our phones, a computer, whatever it is. We have the literal words of God at our fingertips. And the thing is, when, we, when you think about it as rules and laws, you're thinking about it wrong. If you're thinking about the commands in the Bible as laws that have to be followed and you get punished if they're broken, it's not what they are. God doesn't tell us what to do and what not to do so he can stand over us with a stick waiting to whip us when we step out of line. He says, hey, do you want to, one, do you want to have a better life? And two, do you want to live a life that gets you where you need to go? which is breaking death. If you want to get there, here's what you do. Here's what not to do. This has come up a lot lately, at least in my life, where there's this idea that Christians are not allowed to do, you know, Christians are not allowed to have fun. There's this weird stigma with that. I had a conversation with, uh, with Dave actually recently about some, uh, a conversation he was going to have with some other Christians. I had a conversation with um, someone that was in uh, our softball league about, about some stuff. It's like, oh, well, you, you can't do that. Christians shouldn't be doing that. Christians aren't allowed to, aren't allowed to have fun and play games. How dare, how dare you as a Christian be, uh, be competitive and try to win? At the end of the day, if it doesn't go against God, what bad is there? What good is there? If he tells us not to do something, it's for our better. It's not so he can make us live a poor life of just sit at home in our cage and be like, well, I guess I'll just wait till I die doesn't do that. He tells us what to do and what not to do, not to punish us, not to put us in the cage, but to give us freedom outside of the cage so that when we step out into the world, we can still live free and we know, hey, if I go over there, uh, I'm going to get my leg chopped off. I ain't going over there. He goes, hey, if you go over here, you're going to hurt. You're going to cause hurt or you're going to get hurt. Now, the sin in us does it anyways. Because as humans, we are bullheaded mules. And we go, no, 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 God, it's all right. I got it. I got it. But even crazier than that, 
when you talk about the things that God wants us to do and doesn't want us to do. There's something that's even crazier than his literal words written on pages for us. When you really think about this, there's something that's even crazier. We have, we have a voice to help guide us. We don't have to guess. We don't have to try to imagine what the perfect example of, a, of something to do would be. He provided a perfect example for us to follow. So he gave us his words. He gave us a perfect example and said, hey, he came down as man, as Jesus, and goes, hey, uh, follow me. We're just going to go over here. Follow me and get to go to the great party. But he went a step further. Because both of those are something outside of us. Both of those are something outside, outside of us that we have to go and seek. But he went a step further. He gave us something to help us discern, help us know what it is to do and what not to do. And so we're still in the Gospel of John, chapter 14. If we could hop down a few verses to verse 15. It says, if you love me, you will keep my commands. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. He is the spirit of truth. The world is unable to receive him because it doesn't see him or know him. But you do know him because he remains with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I am coming to you. So Jesus says here, if you love me, you'll, you'll keep my commands. Right? You'll, you'll do what I tell you to do if you love me. And he says, I will ask the Father. He will give you another counselor to be with you forever. Which means there is someone, there is something inside of you that can never leave you. He is the spirit of truth, which means he can't lie. He's not going to lead you astray. going to lead you down the right path. This is the Holy Spirit. And then he says, the world is unable to receive him because it doesn't see him or know him. But you do know him because he remains with you. The world gets, they get to decide what they want to do and what they don't get to do. At least that's what they tell themselves. They try to convince themselves that, oh, I just get to do whatever I want and everything's cool. It's not, though. Because what that what that spirit does, that spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit, what it does is guide us away from the areas that are going to hurt us. Because the sins that we commit, right, the sins that we commit, the, the, the damages from them right, is not what we think a lot of the times. It's not... It's not always, it's not always like, like, like we assume. It's not like we sin and then God is, is there with a lightning bolt going to strike us down. No, we have to deal with the weight of our actions. We have to deal with the consequences of what we do. Like I said, if, if, if I know that if I walk over, over to that side of the room and I touch that wall, that my entire arm is going to fall off. And I watch, I watch 30 people walk over and touch the wall and their arms fall off. And I go, huh, I wonder if my arm's going to fall off if I touch that. 
And then I go touch it anyways. Guess what happens? My arm falls off. I go, oh, no, why? If only someone would have told me not to touch the wall. If only someone had told me that I can't do this, that I shouldn't do that. The thing is, a lot of the times it's not that we're not told, it's that we don't listen. We've all seen a little kid. We all know it. You look at the kid, they're hearing to put their finger on the stove, they're in the light socket, like, don't do that. Don't touch. And they do it. They get shocked. They get burned. And you're like, man, if only someone had told you not to touch the hot stove. I have a scar on my hand from a little kid because I, I was that little kid. But that's who we are. For, for a society of people that like the types of characters that we do, it's interesting that we don't like Jesus. It's interesting that we would rather follow the teachings of some book character or movie character or whatever because, oh, well, they're, listen, they broke rules. But did you see what John Wick did? He killed 47 men with a spoon. Pretty awesome. He broke all the rules. You know who else broke all the rules? Jesus. I mean, you know, he kind of broke the, the one rule that we all even if you don't want to admit it, you've never thought about it, none of us want to die. None of us want to. And I, I, I'd bet good money that if, if God came down to each of you and said, hey, uh, you, you have the choice to you know, just not die, 99% of us would be like, yeah, cool, sounds good. We have that voice that tells us that. It tells us what to do and what not to do. But the question is, do you listen? Do I listen? Are you willing to admit that there are times where you go, I know I shouldn't do this. You do it anyways. Or I know I should do this and you don't do it. Paul talks about that in Romans. I do what I don't want to do and don't do what I want to do. That's our flesh. That's sin. That's what it is. That's what it means to be human. It means we have thoughts and feelings and actions that don't make sense to us half the time. You see a little kid burn, burn their hand on the stove 16 times, you think he would have stopped after one. Did you? What's the area in your life you keep going back to because you like it there? See, that's, that's the trick about the cage. We like to feel like we get to choose the cage. We like, we like the fact that we get to choose to sit in whatever misery we, we decide to sit in. And that's, that's where we find our peace in life. Because I, I chose this. This is my weight to bear. I chose to live this way and now I have to deal with it. Yeah, you do, but 
Life is meant for so much more than that. You could have something so much better, so much greater, so just so much more than you could ever imagine. But on top of all this, right, on top of us having the option to listen to this spirit, listen to God's word, we have the choice to follow truth. Right? We have that spirit of truth in us. We know that we can't stay cooped up in this tiny little cell, scared to step into the world. It's all a trick. The enemy wants us to hide. Because the longer that the enemy can have you in your cell, the better it is for him. The less people you impact, the less likely you are to follow God. Because in your little cell, there's nobody else. You just get to listen to, to you. You're the boss. I'm the boss of my cell. So I'm just going to chill and I get to do what I want. That's what the enemy wants. But then, Jesus tells us it, does, it still doesn't stop there. It still doesn't stop for that. It doesn't just stop with God providing us his his words, his wisdom, his, an example, and a spirit inside of us that tells us, he still doesn't stop there. Because then he goes, even in verse 18 here, he says, Jesus says, I will not leave you as orphans. I am coming to you. God will not leave you in the cage. God's not done with you because you've tried to lock yourself in or whatever it is. He's not done with you because of that. He hasn't left you. He, he's not leaving you in the cage. All he's doing is going, if you stood up and you walked, I'm, I'm right here. It's the illusion about the cage that it's not even really there. The cage represents the death in our life, the sin, whatever it is. But if Jesus broke that law, that means there cannot be a cage. That means there cannot be anything to trap you. That means we have the power to stand up and walk away and go, this was nothing. One of the coolest images I've, I've in, in my head when it comes to God, right, is people try to say they look around and try to find God and don't know where he's at. But the problem is he's standing right there. We just don't want to look at him. We don't want to look at him because when we look at him, then we have to accept how dirty we are. When we look at him, then we have to accept, well, I, I can't be with him. Look at how filthy I am. We have to accept the times that we've touched the wall when he told us not to. We have to accept the times that he told us what to do and we didn't listen. That's the fear in our heads is we get so scared of having to look at who we actually are and the actions we've actually done that we're scared to even turn to God. But again, that's just the trick. Because when you turn and look to God, yeah, you have to accept all those things, but he's going to reach down, pick you up, and go, yeah, cool, uh, here's your crown, let's go. We got work to do. That's the trick. When you turn to God, yeah, you have to face everything. You do. It's, it's, it's part of the process, and that can be horrifying and scary. Trust me, I understand. 
But the crown's waiting. He's, he's there holding it. You just got to stand up and grab it and follow. And that's a lot easier said than done, I realize, but that's all it takes. Because remember earlier when I said the expectation to make it to this party, to make it to heaven, whatever it is, is perfection. That's the expectation. But God knew we were never going to be able to do that. He knew we weren't going to be able to. He had a plan from the very beginning to break all the laws. He had that plan from the get-go. Mandy's going to come up and play some music. So here's the thing, guys. When Jesus came and he died on that cross, he offered us something. Because when he died that day and he rose three days later, he broke the prison. He broke the cage. He broke the laws of death. It's already been broken for you. He did the hard work. So what that means is that you have to accept that. You have to accept that, yeah, I suck. And I stepped into the cage when I shouldn't. But there's, there's, still, there's still an option. The option isn't to sulk in your cage and cry until you die and live a good life and hope that's good enough. That's not the only option Because the amazing thing about this is this gift we were given. If it's truly a gift, that means, one, it's free. So you can't do anything to earn it. You can't pay for it in any other way. But if it was a gift, that also means nobody else can take it. The cage is broken. You have the option to stand up and follow Because nothing we do is ever going to be good enough for us to be with God. Nothing you do on your own will ever be good enough to get you to your father's house. It never will be. We will always be separated by our sins. Because every time you decide that you know better than God, you're, you're turning away. You're taking that step and going, oh, it's okay, I know better. But even when we do that, even when we turn away from him and we spit in his face and we, we tell him that we know better or we're angry at him or whatever, he goes, I know, I still love you. Here. God doesn't move. God does not walk away from you. God does not put distance between you and him. He doesn't. He loves us so much. He loves you so much that he made a way for you to be with him despite our ugliness and our dirtiness. He sent, he sent his son, Jesus, fully man, fully God. Jesus understood all the struggles you go through. He was human. He understood the temptations. He was tempted by Satan himself. He understands Jesus, right before he died, was in the garden sweating and crying blood because of how 
little, he didn't actually want to die on the cross. His humanness did not want to die on that cross. He was so distressed, he was sweating blood. He did it anyways because of how much he loves you. Jesus came and died so we can live out of that, so we can step out of the cage, step into the world and go, no matter what happens, I know God's God. And so on the day he died, he gave us something. He gave us something and took something from us. He gave us the key to death. He broke the laws of death and said, hey, you never want to die. Here, follow me. Because, yeah, your body on this earth is going to end. It's inevitable. You have the option of what happens after that. Because there's only two options. There's no in-between ground. There's no man, I really hope so. You're either with God or you're not. You've either accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior or you haven't. Period. But here's the cool part. You don't have to do anything special to do it, to earn it. He already died. He already broke the laws. Now you all, all, all you have to do is accept it. You turn to him, you go, yeah, I messed up. I'm sorry, I want to follow you, please. That's all it takes. In just a moment, there's gonna be some people up front here to pray for you, pray with you. If you've never made that commitment, maybe now's that time. Remember when I said that we had that Holy Spirit in us? We had that little voice that tells us what to do. If you're hearing that, don't tell it to be quiet. Listen to it. Let it itch that part of your brain that doesn't make sense. You can go, I, I don't understand this, but I want this. Because it doesn't matter how ugly you think you are or how dirty you think you've made yourself. Jesus has already died. God knew you were going to mess up and still loves you, knows you're still going to mess up in the future and you're still going to sin and you're going to break the promises and he still loves you and he still made a way for you to be with him, period. It says in the Bible that if you want to accept Christ, it only takes two things. Believe it in your heart. You, you, you have to believe it. And if you don't know what that looks like, that's Okay. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to clean up right now and be like, well, once I'm good enough. No, he wants you right now the way you are here today. That's who he wants. He wants you. Believe in your heart and confess with your lips. It means you say it. You say, Jesus is my Lord and Savior and I need help. I'm messed up and I'm dirty. I need help. There's gonna be people up here take this opportunity. Take advantage of this. Because right now you have a choice. You can stay in your cage and you can live a life and that's it. Or you can choose to step out of the cage. Say, I know there's something better. Follow Christ. And take that step here today. These people up here, if you don't know what to pray, what to say, whatever it is, they'll help you. Take this time seriously. You have an opportunity here today. Take advantage of it. We say it almost every week, but it's so true. If you leave here the same as you came in, 
because you're choosing to do that. 